Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking back at the final two episodes of the Arsenal All or Nothing documentary, as well as sharing some thoughts on the series as a whole. We'll be looking back on it. What did we make of it? What were the big takeaways? Who came out looking good? Who came out looking not so good? We're going to get into all of that, and I want plenty of interaction in the live chat with you guys on this one as well. Really interested and really curious to hear you guys' thoughts as well. Don't worry, there is an Arsenal trip to Bournemouth preview coming out later on on the channel. We're going to be doing that live at 5pm UK time. So make sure if you're not already that you're subscribed and that your notifications are turned on. That way you won't miss that one. We'll be looking ahead to tomorrow's game in depth. We'll be talking Uh, about Mikel Arteta's press conference, which he's just finished giving, in which he provided some team news and uh, a few other points of discussion as well. But we'll pick all of that up, as I say, in our Bournemouth versus Arsenal preview, which is coming up. Uh, Big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat at the moment. Hope you're all well. Hope you guys uh, have all had a good week so far. Hopefully Arsenal can finish off our week as uh, best as possible, because, of course, uh, we've got that huge game coming up. Uh, at Bournemouth, which, as I say, we're going to preview a little bit later. I nearly kind of ran into it again. I, I've got to stop myself doing that. I've got to stop letting my tongue run away with itself and get carried away. Let's get back on track and focus on what it is that we're going to be talking about here. And that is, of course, the All or Nothing documentary. Just two episodes this time around, the final two episodes of the show. I thought seven was really good. I thought seven was really enjoyable. Eight was a tough watch, though, wasn't it? It was a really, really tough watch. Obviously, the season, I don't know. I don't know that you can say that we massively failed at the end of last season. We've we've had this debate back and forward a million and one times. I don't think you can massive. I don't think you could say that we massively failed. But what you can say is that we missed an opportunity. I think that's the right way to look at it. I think that when you think about where the side were at the start of the season, where most of our expectations were for the side at the beginning of the season to to finish in fifth place and be within reach of the Champions League spots, to have taken it down to the final day. Okay, Spurs played Norwich, a game that they were always going to win, but to have taken it that far signified progress. And what I quite liked about the All or Nothing series and the way it was edited and the way it was all pulled together is that I think the club do a... It's not just the club. I think they do a really good job of making sure that you get the message that actually this season or that season showed a lot of progress and there was a lot of positives to take from that season, but also that the club weren't satisfied with finishing fifth because there's been a lot of noise and a lot of um, debate and discussion around whether or not that was good for Arsenal to finish fifth. You know, Mikel Arteta got his new contract, didn't he? as soon as 
the fifth place thing was wrapped up as soon as Europa League football was wrapped up, which at the time gave us an indication that at least the club's ambitions were that internally. Maybe they were just being realistic about their targets. Maybe they were trying to put something down that was uh, achievable. Maybe that's the level that they felt that we were at. But you it, you can't deny that it was disappointing the way it all ended. And, you know, in that last episode in particular, there's a lot on the Spurs game, the Newcastle game, two away games in which we were beaten. And obviously that really dented our hopes. But the truth is it was lost before that. The trip to Crystal Palace, the home defeat to Brighton, and then the defeat at Southampton. Those three games combined for me are ultimately what, what did it. It wasn't the Spurs game, which, you know, it's not an outrageous result to go and get beaten by a side that are also challenging for the Champions League places, particularly when you get some questionable refereeing decisions go against you early on in the game as well. That certainly wasn't bloody helpful. So, yeah. And then Newcastle, you know, in the back end of last season, were in, were in really good form, really strong form. Eddie Howe's done a really good job there. He picked them up when they were on the ground. Obviously, a lot of pressure on Eddie Howe as well because of the the funds and the finances that Newcastle have available to them. But I thought he did a really, really good job. So they were difficult games. For me, when I looked back at it yesterday, when I watched episodes seven and eight, the bits that really hurt was was Palace, Brighton and Southampton. Now, of course, it hurts when you lose to Spurs. And of course, it hurts when you get pipped by Spurs. But the point I'm trying to make here is that we'd, we'd made a mess of it before that. We still had hope, but we'd made a mess of it really and truly. Uh, before we went to Newcastle, uh, before we went to Spurs, and before we went to Newcastle. But as I say, I, look, there were some people that, like in WhatsApp groups that I'm in and stuff, that had said, "Oh my God, the club are dressing up a fifth place finish. The documentary dresses up the fifth place finish as some kind of success." I didn't really feel that from the documentary. I didn't feel like they were massively disappointed with fifth place. And I did feel like they were trying to find positives and trying to get the message across, as I've already said, that this was still more than what was expected. And this still represents progress. But there wasn't jumping up and down. There weren't celebrations at the fact that we finished fifth. It was kind of there was a bit of dejection at the end of the season. You could really, really see it. Um, you could see it in those dressing room scenes. You could see it in the manager. and. You know, Mikel Arteta, I think, has, has come across really well in this documentary. He's shown himself to be somebody that will go out and front up and take the brunt and take the shit from the media, as he says, and the fans at times. But he is willing to give it to them in the dressing room. He is willing to, to be hard on people. He is willing to really kind of stamp his authority and let people know when something is not up to standard and simply not good enough. And particularly... Uh, in a couple of the games, you could see him really getting animated. He was really animated after the Newcastle game. I thought his speech there was really powerful. You know, it was it was kind of like, zip it, don't say anything, swallow it, eat it, whatever he said. Because that disappointment is, is something that, you know, you don't want to be feeling in your career. So you can't go back and change it. You can't take a positive from a negative, but you can remember what that feeling is. You can remember what it feels like to be in that place as a footballer. And hopefully that gives you the motivation to try and make sure that you're not there too often in the rest of your career. And that's what these players need to learn and pick up from that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, when you look at the when you look at the the whole series, there were some weird moments. Um 
you know, there were some cringe moments. And, and that was my big fear going into this, that there was going to be loads of cringe moments around Mikel Arteta, around some of the players. And there were some of those, you know, some of the drawings, some of the diagrams. We've talked about them on earlier episodes. Some of the uh, the speeches, some of the wacky ideas like the speakers on the training ground, the Thomas Edison bit with the light bulb. That was, you know, there's a lot of energy talk. There's a lot, a lot of um, talk about togetherness. There's a lot of talk that comes from a, a kind of motivational place rather than a tactical place. But what I would say is Mikel Arteta doesn't just send them out on the pitch and say, yeah, go and do what you want. We're not going to talk tactics. We're not going to talk the opposition. We're not going to do any of that. In fact, all I'm going to do is put you guys in a circle and chat to you about energy and transmitting that energy and, and how you all need to be together. That's the bit that we got to see. There will have been in-depth tactical preparation. We know that. We know that Mikel Arteta's playing style is a very specific one. And we know that people are starting to learn it and understand it to a much higher level, which is why we're seeing a lot more consistency with it. Um. So, yeah, I mean, the end of it was was quite difficult to watch. Um, there's no there's no doubt about that. But what's it done for me personally? It's got me more geared up for the season that we're in now. I've got to say, I mean, at the time I wondered if, uh, sorry, at the time when it was initially released, so or when we heard when it was going to be initially released, my first thought was we were, we had a really disappointing end to last season. And so if we now dwell on that if we now go into the new season with the shadow of the documentary hanging over us it kind of gets fans or, or puts fans in a difficult headspace going into the new season when really and truly we need to put all of that shit behind us and we need to be focused on this season and getting behind the team and supporting the team so I was a little bit worried about that but I think they've done such a good job of showing the bad but also showing what that led to in terms of how people felt the motivation that it gives us moving forward, how, you know, a lot of these players and the management and the staff don't want to be feeling this way again. And I think when you think about the way it was all packaged up, actually I've been able to go back, watch it. Yeah, it was painful, but it's not impacted on my optimism going into the new season. In fact, it's done the opposite. And so I put the question in the title, was it a success? The Amazon doc, I think it absolutely was. I think it was a great PR move from Arsenal. I think they've done a really good job of packaging it all together. Amazon, that is. I think it puts out all the messages that Arsenal would want to go out to the fan base and to the wider footballing world. I think it shows Mikel Arteta in a great light. I think it shows Granit Xhaka in a great light. I think it shows Aaron Ramsdale in a good light. I think it shows a lot of people that needed that extra bit of PR i.e. Arteta and Xhaka specifically, in a much better light. And that's ultimately what they're looking to achieve. They give us enough of the downs. They give us enough of the difficult moments to, to feel as though it's not, you know, it's not just a PR stunt. Ultimately, you do this kind of thing, it's a PR stunt. You do it for those reasons and you do it for financial gain. You do it for the branding of your club on the wider scale and, and all of that stuff. But I didn't think it was so protected. Like, I didn't think it was, like, for example, you think about the City one. I was having this conversation with somebody at work the other day. We were talking about the City all or nothing. And I was told by a couple of people, you know, well, 
I didn't really enjoy that one because it felt like there was no difficult moments in that. Like it was just all glory. It was all good. It was all positive. But that's because Manchester City was such a crack inside and had such a great season. Like there wouldn't have been that much adversity to have captured from behind the lens. So I think all or nothing, Amazon learned from that. I think they decided after that that they needed to go after projects involving clubs where there was both sides of the spectrum. You know, there was good stuff to show and positive stuff to show, but there was also negative and difficult moments because ultimately that's what the non-Arsenal fans, that's what the wider public, wider population are wanting to see. They don't want to see a manager walking into the changing room and telling everybody how well they played and telling everybody how good it was. They want people to, you know, to fly off the handle. That's what good TV is. That's what people gravitate towards. And so if you pick a club like Arsenal and like Spurs before that, you do get those ups, but you also get those downs and you get the perfect balance. And it's going to be interesting to see how Amazon identify the clubs they go after next. If I were them, I'd be going towards Manchester United right now, given the circus that is happening there. That'd be incredible television, wouldn't it? But yeah, I think um, I think overall I enjoyed it. Um, overall, I thought, as I say, it got all the right messages across. I'm kind of glad it's done, though, not because I didn't enjoy it, but because because I, I, I wanted us to I want us to just move on from it. I mean, can you imagine if we started this season badly? Can you imagine if we didn't win at Crystal Palace and if we didn't beat Leicester City? And then you had all of that sort of background noise provided by the documentary around how it all fell apart um, towards the back end of last season. That would just have been a recipe for disaster. So I, did, I do think they took a risk in putting it out when they did. I do think they took a risk. But because of the fact that Arsenal have got off to a good season as well, uh, got off to a good start this season. People have opted to focus on the positives of the documentary, perhaps more so than the negatives. And so I think it's all worked out quite well. Um, and as I say, you know, nobody, in my opinion, tried to pretend that we'd had this amazing campaign by finishing fifth. You have to recognise the progress. You have to acknowledge the progress. But nobody went overboard on that. And I quite like that because if they had... You know, that would have made me question their ambition, where they see this football club moving to in the future. So I think the right balance was struck there. As I've said already, Mikel Arteta, I thought, came across really well. I think he comes across as a lot more likeable. I think he'll get less of a hard time from some of our fans. I think he'll get less of a difficult time from the media because they've had a bit of an insight into what Mikel Arteta, the man, is like. And I think that's really important. One of my big criticisms of Arteta at the beginning of his managerial tenure was that he wasn't very good at handling press conferences. He wasn't very good at handling the media. I didn't always feel like he knew how to find that right balance between giving enough to keep people engaged and to keep the fans engaged and the media engaged, but also not coming across as cold, blunt and arrogant at times. And he did, you know, he did come across that way, but obviously he's improved in that. And I think you see that now in his press conferences. And I watched his press conference today ahead of the Bournemouth game and, um, and uh, you know, having just seen the last couple of episodes before that or last night, I, I paid a lot more attention to Mikel Arteta's demeanour in the press conferences. And I do think he's learned, he's developed and he's come across as much, much better as a result of that. Um, 
just a couple of moments I wanted to touch on. I, I said about the, the reaction to the Newcastle game. Um, you know, I really like the way Mikel Arteta handled that. I thought he did. And, and I thought we've seen throughout the documentary that Mikel Arteta is starting to get a bit of a feel for when he should go in like a nut job and absolutely blast and berate people. And when he can see in the eyes of the players that they know and maybe should take a step back. You know, at the beginning, we used to say that he wasn't very good in man management, that he would fall out with people really, really easily, that he would come across as a disciplinarian that had no regard for the value of some of, of, some of his more talented players and only cared about discipline first and foremost. And that was him, in a way, cutting his nose off to spite his face. What I would say is that the fact that he did at times, particularly towards the end of last season, realised that not an awful lot needed to be said, realised that his emotions were at a point that he probably couldn't control them and realised that he'd be better off speaking to the players on Monday when he was a little bit calmer and had some time to process was the right thing to do. And I think that is one of the reasons that you've seen greater engagement between Mikel Arteta and his group of players over the course of the last maybe six, nine months, as opposed to at the beginning of his Arsenal career. The uh, the training ground scrap involving uh, Lacazette and Cedric, a lot of people have, have highlighted that as, as kind of one of the highlights of the last couple of episodes. It all stemmed from Lacazette basically being tackled by one of the youngsters and then having a kick out at him, sort of taking him down and Cedric having a word. I thought Lacazette was bang out of order there. We heard so much and we do hear so much about what a model professional he is. And listen, I'm sure that at the highest level, those things go on all the time. You know, moments where you just boil over frustration, maybe because of what's going on, not just on the training ground, but on the pitch at the weekends as well. Um, I, I thought that I thought he came across really badly there, but I'm kind of conscious of reading into it too much when, as I say, I probably imagine that that happens quite a bit and quite frequently in the world of football. But he had no right to grab Cedric the way he did. Um, and um, yeah, you know, I didn't like that bit. That was the bit where I felt really uncomfortable watching. If it was, um, if it was two players going into a duel together and one of them feeling as though the other was a little bit over the top, in his approach in that tackle. And and obviously, it was at a really crucial point of the season. And we heard Mikel Arteta talking about the need to, to sort of minimise the risks we were taking from a physical standpoint. I kind of get that. Cedric was sticking up for a young player who had been unfairly kicked out at by a senior player in Alexander Lacazette, who I think should know better. And look, as again, as I say, I'm sure it goes on a lot, but I, I didn't like that bit. I found it uncomfortable viewing. Um, wanted to chat just quickly about that scene in which Eddie and Ketia tells uh, Sambi Lakonga to kind of get real, <laughs> you know, to grow up a little bit. Um, you know, it, it yeah, it's um, that was interesting because Lakonga was kind of sitting there and and the boys were sort of saying to him, you know, Saka Smith Rowe, I think, and Ketia was there as well. They were saying to him, well, and Ketia obviously was there because he's the one that responded, but they were saying something like, you know, you've changed since you got here in terms of like his demeanor and stuff. And he was like, well, yeah, I was I was playing at the beginning. 
And Eddie and Ketty is like, you know, you're not the only one playing, man. Come on, sort of thing. Like, I'm going to repeat word for word what he said. But I quite like that from Eddie because it showed a bit of needle. It showed a bit of, um, it showed that he can be a bit spiky, that he can be a little bit more um, abrasive and on the edge. I quite like that from Eddie because I didn't, I, I don't ever really get that vibe from him. You know, you feel like he's been down and disappointed during his time at Arsenal on numerous occasions when he's not been involved and it's been really difficult for him, but you never really got the impression that he was quite strong on it. Like you felt like he always kind of nodded his head and it was only when he gave that interview to the beautiful game that I thought, yeah, you know what? He's definitely going to leave now because he clearly isn't happy. And instead, um, you know, he's decided to fight for his place, which is great. And he's got that new contract. He's been rewarded for sticking with it and and great. But I, I really like that bit. I did. Um, and it was kind of a reality check for Lokonga as well, you know, just kind of snap the fuck out of it, get on with it. Um, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess that kind of summarizes my main takeaways from the last two episodes. As I said, in terms of overall, I thought the series was enjoyable. Apart from the last episode, I thought it was insightful. I thought it struck the perfect balance between giving us the positives and the negatives but I am glad it's over and I am glad that we don't need to um, focus on that or worry about what's going to come out in that for the remainder of the season, because it, I do feel at the start of the campaign, it has been a bit of a distraction. Thankfully, the team have been really good. They've managed to remain professional and, and get on with it. And perhaps it wasn't a distraction within the club because they'd already seen it and they knew what was coming. But for us as fans, I think it's been a bit of a distraction. So I'm glad now that it's done and I'm glad now that we can get back to focusing on the football because we've got another big game coming up tomorrow at Bournemouth. Uh, really, really want to know uh, what you guys think and any questions that you guys might have on the series from the live chat box. So please do start getting involved. Um, some of you have already noticed it, but at the start of episode eight, yes, it was me that announced the breaking news that Mikel Arteta has signed uh, a new contract that will keep him as Arsenal boss until the 24-25 season, end of the 24-25 season, whatever it was. I can't remember word for word what I said. Um, yes, I did know that that was going to be included. Well, no, th that's not entirely true. So I was contacted by Amazon who said, can, you, uh, can we use this line from your podcast to go in the Amazon doc? And I said, yeah, of course. Um, and I was you know, required to sign a release form, et cetera, et cetera. But I was told that it was subject to the editing process. So there was a chance that it wasn't going to be included. There was a chance that, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll get the permission to use it. And if we want to use it, we will. But if we don't, we don't. Um, so I didn't want to say anything <laughs> to anybody because the last thing I needed was to go around saying, oh, look, I'm in the Amazon documentary. Um, and then for it not to be included, although look, it isn't really a big deal. It's a, it's a few seconds. It's great. It's nice to see. It's nice to see that people are watching the Chronicles of Aguna. It's nice to see that it's on people's radar. But, you know, it, it's just a few seconds of, of audio. Um, so, yeah, not not sort of going mad about it, but obviously delighted that it, you know, that it is in there. And, and it'll be there forever uh, for anybody that goes and watches the Arsenal uh, documentary, which is great. Um, so, yeah, nice one. <laughs> Ishe Allen says, did they pay you for that? <laughs> Personal question. 
<laughs> but no, they didn't. They don't. Um, anyway, that's that bit. Uh, just a couple of messages while you guys uh, get your comments and get your questions in the chat. Please uh, fire away. I just want to bring you guys up to speed with a couple of bits and pieces. Uh, for those of you that have been asking me in the Discord server, Simply Serie A has kicked off for the season. We did a preview show last weekend on Tuesday. We recorded the review of Match Week 1. So you can find that on all major podcast stores. Just search Simply Serie A. The link is in the description of this episode of the Chronicles of Aguna 2, so you can find it. Simply Serie A is a, a massive passion project of mine. We started off really well. We couldn't maintain it because of time and because of work constraints. And then we stopped it. And now we've brought it back and, and it's it's taken a hit. The downloads have taken a hit because of the inconsistency. I know that. Um, and I know it was really, really frustrating for people. So I would really, really appreciate it if as Chronicles of Aguna followers, fans, listeners, whatever, um, supporters, you could just uh, go over to Simply Seria, subscribe to it on whatever podcast store it is you listen from. And if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please, please do leave us a review on there as we try and build it back up. A lot of work and effort goes in to that show. And I'm just, I am disappointed that we stopped it before because ultimately that's what's damaged the trajectory that it was on in terms of downloads and stuff. But obviously, hopefully, over a period of time, we can we can get back there again. But any help from you guys would be amazing. OK, um, football prizes who are currently supporting the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. have got another Arsenal prize up for grabs. You can win two hospitality tickets to Arsenal versus Fulham and one of the instant win prizes. Uh, if uh, you want to um, get involved, you can click on the link in the description. Uh, which is there now. Uh, tickets cost £9.95 and there are 65 available. So you will go into the draw. The competition ends on Tuesday, the 23rd of August at 7.30pm. But that's only if the tickets are still available by then. There are 50 uh, that have been sold so far. So there's only 15 left. So really, if you want to get in on this, you pretty much got to do it now. Uh, there's no time to waste. Get involved for your opportunity to win two hospitality tickets to Arsenal versus Fulham in the Premier League. And that game is coming up next weekend at Emirates Stadium. Let me just make sure the link is in the description. I think I might have an old link in there. Let me just update that. There you go. Updated. So if you refresh your page after the stream is ended, of course, uh, you will find it there. Um, but yeah, please do get involved in that. Also, uh, something else I just wanted to bring to your attention. Many of you will be familiar with uh, Mike from the Gooners podcast. Top guy, uh, really, really good friend, absolute legend as well. Love all the work he's doing with Gooners versus Cancer. And there is a very special event coming up where you can come down and support Gooners versus Cancer. Um, there's a live show in London. It's taking place in Hackney. On the 2nd of September, it's a Friday night at 7 p.m. There's going to be a live show with myself, Tom Canton from the Guna Talk TV, uh, FK from the Latte Firm, another legend in the Arsenal podcasting world. And of course, the brilliant Sophie Nicolau from the Highbury Squad. She's back in town uh, from sunny L.A. So there's going to be a live podcast uh, with ourselves and, of course, Magic Mike. Um there's going to be some amazing prizes available on the night. Uh, 
Arsenal signed shirts. Ruth Beck will be there with her brilliant artwork as well. Um, and it's basically to have a bit of fun with some fellow Arsenal fans, but also to support this incredible charity, Gunas versus Cancer. If you go over to at Gunas versus Cancer on Twitter, you can find the link uh, to the Eventbrite page and you can buy your tickets. They're only £5 something, which is amazing value. And 100% of the proceeds go to Gunas versus Cancer. So fair play to Mike. Uh, again for doing another fantastic thing and I'm so honoured to be a part of it and really really looking forward to seeing some of you guys there hopefully um, but yeah check it out okay um, that's pretty much all of the messaging let's get back to some of your questions and some of your thoughts um, on the uh, on the Amazon documentary don't worry we will be we will be uh, previewing Arsenal's trip to Bournemouth on our stream later on today. So don't stress. Um, Kirsten Derrick says, Harry, do you think we have enough depth with the amount of competitions we're going to be playing in this season? Please talk about this. Look, in an ideal world, you'd, you'd have loads, right? You'd have more depth than we currently have. I do think, though, there is a balance to be found. I do think that there is some validity to the the idea that too big a squad means too many people disenfranchised, too many people not completely engaged. Obviously, the plus side of that is that you've got more bodies to cover in difficult moments when people are available, uh, unavailable, sorry, when injuries kick in and when the fixtures pile up. You've got more options to be able to rotate and you've got more ability to keep things fresh. I, I totally get all of that. But I do think, as I say, there is a validity to the idea of the smaller the squad, the more compact the squad, the more together they will be, the more engaged every individual will be. There are plus points to that. There are negative points to that. I think we've got enough. Um, I do. But I do think there will come a point where we will need to prioritise. And we have to realise and accept that we are not at the point where we can challenge for every single competition. For me, this season, it's about the Premier League, obviously, first and foremost. And it's about the Europa League. If we go out in the first set, we go in in third round. But if we go out in our first round, in terms of the um, in terms of the Carabao Cup, will I lose any sleep over it? No, I obviously don't want it to happen, and I obviously hope that we don't go and embarrass ourselves somewhere. But will I lose sleep over it? Will I be bothered about it beyond that first night when it actually happens? Probably not, because to me, it's not anywhere near the top of my priority list. It's a competition I'd love to see us win because I i don't remember us ever winning it. We did win it back when I was a kid, but I don't remember it. So, yeah, that's that's where I am on that. And as for the FA Cup, look, again, similar applies. Like, it's a great competition. It's our competition in a lot of ways. It's one that makes up a huge part of the Arsenal history. But no, um, that's not a priority for me either. So I think that we need to we need to prioritise and we need a bit of luck along the way in terms of injuries at key moments. We need... We need people to stay fit. We, we, we've we obviously looked at what happened last season and in some areas recognised and realised that we just, we didn't have enough quality in depth and, we, and we've gone and added to that. But there's still a couple more that we could do with adding, I think, between now and the end, um, the end of uh, the window, of course. Uh, Ian says, did it surprise you how quiet Martin Odegaard was during the series? Mikel Arteta must see something in him to make him captain. We definitely didn't see it, though. It's a really good point. Um, 
I don't think I saw anything alarming from Martin Odegaard. I don't think I saw anything that went, oh my God, this guy shouldn't be the captain. But I get what you mean in that he wasn't very vocal. He wasn't the first one to be ranting and raving. He wasn't the first one to kind of try and get sort of in and amongst people when when things weren't going well. I, I completely agree with that. But I think this comes back to a point I've made quite a bit over the last few months. We need to adjust our perception of what a captain is. A captain is not just someone who shouts, who beats his chest, who puts in strong tackles. A captain is somebody who leads by example. I think a lot of the time Martin Odegaard does that and does that successfully. But he also, for me, has the tactical brain to carry out exactly what it is that Mikel Arteta is asking of him on the pitch. And he's almost Mikel's voice on the field. I watch Arsenal live a lot, obviously. And Martin Odegaard does talk. Martin Odegaard does communicate. Martin Odegaard does instigate presses. Martin Odegaard does advise on positioning. He does all of those things on the pitch. I'm not really bothered if he does it straight after the game in the changing room when emotions are running high. It's just not his way. It's just not his style. But there was nothing in there that makes me think, oh my God, why has he been named captain? But I agree with you that given he's been made captain, you felt like this was an opportunity for Arsenal to really showcase why Martin Odegaard has been given that. And there wasn't even really a feature on him. Uh, Raphael says, thanks, Harry, for the great analysis. You're so welcome, mate. Um, he says, great to hear that your clip was included in the series. Thank you so, so much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Um, what else have we got? Uh, just um, just reading through some of the comments. Um, there are so many comments that I'm uh, they're constantly updating. I am going to miss some. I do apologize. Um, Lynn says, Harry, do you think it will be a winger we bring in and wait until January for the midfield or the other way around? I still think we'll bring in one more. I do. I've got this feeling that Arsenal are working on something quietly and probably something that will will be sped up towards the back end of the window. But I don't know who. I don't have a clue. I'm not going to pretend to be in the know. I'm not going to pretend uh, to know what it is that Arsenal are cooking. But I do think they are cooking something and I'm hoping that they do get something over the line between now and the end of the window. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Raphael Lim says, thanks for putting together your daily show. Perhaps you would like to do one with the Arsenal fan base in Singapore. I'd love to. I'd love to do one with everyone. Um, we need to do more phone in stuff. We need to do more of that, um, more of that interactive stuff for sure. The last couple of weeks I've, I've slacked a little bit on the podcast and I know that, and I'm really conscious of it and it really sort of pisses me off. That I've done that and, and kind of let it go a little bit just because work gets in the way sometimes. You know, when you're working for lots of different people um, as a freelancer as well, it, it becomes really difficult to balance your time. And, you know, I always say that this is so, so important to me. This is my number one. This is my baby. This is the one that I don't want to ever let slip. But because it is mine, I can, if I miss a day, there isn't anybody telling me like, what the hell are you doing sort of thing, which is bad because then it means that I do let it slack sometimes. But the reason this week has been so mental is because we are working on something for the for the season. We're working on something behind the scenes with regards to an app that
Am I back? I think I'm back. Bloody hell. Um, look, we will do a proper video on this and a proper announcement on this and all of that stuff to give you guys all the information you need. But in a nutshell, I'm conscious right now that we don't get enough members content out. I'm conscious right now that YouTube members get access to stuff and our audio listeners don't get access to that same stuff. And there are just as many of you that listen on the audio platforms as people who view this channel on YouTube. So we are working on something. Hopefully in the next week or so, we'll be in a position to give you all the information whereby members can access it all in one place. YouTube members, you can stay as you are. No problem. If you don't want to jump over to the new platform, that's absolutely fine. Happy for you to continue as you are and you will get the content, more content that is going to be coming the traditional way as a YouTube member. But for our audio listeners and for those that are not too keen on being YouTube members, you can sign up um, to this new thing, which will give you much more access, give you all the stuff in one place, give you the ability to download all the content to your phones, whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll bring you more information on that really soon. But there are a lot of things going on in the background um, to make that happen, which is why um, maybe I've sort of taken my eye off the ball um, in uh, in sort of the last few days. Okay, uh, let's take uh, a few more of your questions. Uh, Amira Z says, hi, Harry, do you think Arsenal's media content has been underwhelming? In the past few years, could it be due to COVID or us underperforming football wise? I love seeing player interaction bits. I wouldn't say, look, I think club content is always going to be different to fan content, to creator content. It's always, it's a totally different thing, right? And I think the sooner people, not yourself, but the sooner people understand that, accept that, then the sooner they'll stop being underwhelmed maybe by that stuff it is a different thing it's a different style it's a different mouthpiece it's the club's mouthpiece it's it's got to be done in a very sort of tasteful way that there, there isn't any ranting or raving in it there, there can't be um so i think it's just different but i do know for a fact from people i've spoken to and, and from knowing a lot of the people that are involved in the club's media at the moment that there's loads of new ideas there's loads of new things coming they're stepping up loads of stuff i mean for example don't know if you've seen the breakdown live on the match day. I mean, they're doing a cracking job of that. They've really upgraded that. They're doing stuff from pitch side. They're doing stuff from a much better studio now as well. Like, so they are up in it. Um, so yeah, watch this space. Uh, Craig Tanner says, uh, I thought the doc was insightful, but one thing that was noticeable is captaincy. At no point did anyone step in after Arteta and fire up the boys. I hope Odegaard is doing more of that now. It's an interesting point. Um, it is a really interesting point. Um, yeah, you, you know, you, as I said before, you don't get that person that's kind of like going in there and, and sort of rumbling feathers and, and doing whatever. So yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, but again, some managers don't really want that. Some managers don't want that different voice. And, and I guess particularly when you're in a position where, for example, Aubameyang was the captain, right? And Mikel Arteta wasn't going to strip him of the captaincy unless he had to, unless he had a reason to. But it doesn't mean that the two were completely on the same page when it comes to instructions, messages that they want to get across. And so as a manager, do you want that second voice that is giving a different message? Maybe not. 
now that it's Martin Odegaard, someone who is very much on the same page as Mikel Arteta, maybe you'll get more of that. But again, always remember and always remind yourself that we do not get um, we do not get all of what's going on. We did not see everything. We saw a sanitized, cut down version. We saw an edited version. There may well have been players that were much more vocal in the reality that weren't put across as that in the dock. So yeah, it's you know always bear that in mind. Uh, big hello to Adair as well. Hope you're good, man. Um, he says, looking sharp with the new haircut. I'm getting a lot of haircut comments. All I did was cut the top off, man. I had this for a while. I was like trying to grow it and I was sweeping it back. And yeah, it was fine. You know, the beard and the hair and all of that. And, and uh, I just got fed up of dealing with it every day. And And someone said to me, <laughs> a barber friend of mine said to me, what the hell is the end goal here? Like, what are you, are you trying to grow your hair like? Mark Kukurea or something like that. Why? What are you doing? And it made me think, yeah, you know what? What is the end goal? Actually, the end goal is to try and look as smart as possible, where possible, not always possible, but to try and look smart and to make it as low maintenance as possible. And that was never going to happen the longer it was getting. So it had to happen. Uh, thank you. Uh, big hello to Roger Richardson as well. Thank you uh, so much, mate. Really appreciate the shout out. Um, hope you're well. Hope you're having a good week. Uh, Lynn says, going back to what I was talking about, it will be like a Chronicles Facebook then, Harry. Not quite. Um, not quite. It will be basically a platform for members to sign up to where um, where they can access all of our normal content, but also they can access our premium content as well. Um, and our premium content is going to be much, much better, much more frequent. Um, Mike Stavrou, who a lot of you love when he's on the show, uh, is going to be really helping me with that. He's going to be working on that a lot with me, um, which is amazing as well. So uh, looking forward to having him much more involved too. And uh, yeah, it's basically going to be a platform upon which you can sign in. You can become a member. All of the membership proceeds go back to the channel as opposed to the way it works on here, which is a little bit different. Um not knocking it. It's great. And if people want to stay with it, as I say, I've got no objection to that, but this is just a bit different. And I've always been conscious of with the YouTube memberships, which are amazing. I'm limiting the members content then just to those people and those that don't ever watch it on YouTube, those that listen on the podcast, never get access to it. And it's not really fair. And I know there's a lot of them that would love to support as well and don't because they don't use YouTube. So they don't get the benefit of it. So why would they then contribute? So yeah, uh, but as I say, any support is much appreciated. As you guys know, you know, this is my baby. And the more support that I get for this, the the more able I am to spend more time on it. And, and that's ultimately what I want to be doing. <laughs> right, guys, uh, thank you all so, so much. Please do leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Also subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, we're going to be back later on at 5 p.m. today to look ahead to Arsenal's Premier League trip to Bournemouth coming up tomorrow. We'll be talking team news. We'll be talking lineups. We'll be talking uh, tactics. We'll be talking how we think this one might pan out, predictions and all, as well as you guys' thoughts and comments in the live chat box. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you leave a like. Turn on your notifications and I'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time. Take care, guys. Thank you. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.